You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Uh, Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben Sternke. Indeed, you are. Yep. And And I'm Matt Tebby. Yep. You are as well, I can confirm. Uh, We're two of the co-founders of Gravity Leadership. And uh, we have been in this series uh, on our podcast on our missional theology axioms. And um, last, uh, our last episode, we intended to get around to our fifth axiom, but we ended up just sort of uh, reviewing and riffing on all the other axioms uh, and had a, uh, what was to me, a riveting conversation <laughs> about, uh, about some of the implications uh, of those axioms. I found you interesting, Ben. That's good. I, I like to hear that. <laughs> that sounds, that's good news to me. So, um, so anyway, so um, the axioms, uh, we don't need to do tons of review this time, but number one, God is always present and at work. Number two, the God who is present and at work looks just like Jesus. Number three, this God who is present and at work and who looks like Jesus meets us most fully in reality because he's the realest person occupying, you know, he's the realest person ever. He's the realest real. He's the realest real. And so he meets us in our reality, not not where we want to be or where we wish we were. Or should be. Or should be, but he meets us right where we are. And, uh, and why does he do that? Axiom number four, because he cares more about this than we do. Yep. And so these missional theology axioms, um, they relate to our leadership and to our discipleship because these were the foundational assumptions that Jesus made about reality. They seem to be the lenses through which he saw everything. Yeah, parenthetically, they relate 
to leadership and discipleship, but they relate actually to to my closest, deepest relationships first. So they relate right. to me, just to me and how I relate to myself. Yeah. You know, how I relate yeah. to my wife and my kids, to you, right. other friends. Right. Right? Yeah. They're not just, uh, yeah, it's not just a, a, like a program or a system that you would say like, all right, it's time for me to think about my church. There's a reason we don't call these the six irrefutable laws of leadership. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These, these have more to do with the grounding constructs by which we make sense of our world. Yeah. Yeah. All of our world, yeah. and they yeah. have m- massive implications for yeah. how we lead right. and how we inhabit our relationships in those leadership spaces. Yes, which uh, which is a great bridge into our fifth axiom, which we want to talk about today. I didn't mean to do that. I know, but that, that that's just how these work. They're all overlapping and interlocking. They all kind of uh, are saying uh, various things about sort of one reality that we're trying to learn how to inhabit. Yeah. So um, we are, this, this axiom, the fifth axiom is this, that what God does through you, he also does in you. What God does through you, he also does in you. Or as uh, Augustine or Augustine, how do you pronounce that guy's name? I'll allow it either way. Yeah, I think that's Today. what I've heard Today. theologians say is it's allowable either way. But one of those things, one of those things that really bothers me is when you hear somebody say it uh-huh. and then somebody corrects you, right? As though there's the the right as way, as though there's an appropriate way, right? As though you understand what you know, fifth century North African dialects sounded <laughs> right, like, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Actually, anyway, uh, but what he said was this: the fire you want to ignite in others must first burn within you. Yeah, I must remember first burn within. Yeah, you. I remember being a young preacher uh, with a youth group. And uh, my focus, even what took me to seminary, was on becoming a better, more faithful preacher. Mm. Uh, and I, I, this started to dawn on me as a youth pastor, but then it really came home to me at seminary, was that I, I, I was preaching sermons about a kind of person that far outstripped who I really was. Say more about that. Another way to say that is, yeah, so I was proclaiming truth, I was proclaiming uh, the reality of the Christian life, and my actual life, my the actual real life I lived, uh, was not uh, indicative of what I was proclaiming. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I I realized, so another way to say it is, I realized I'm a better preacher than I am a person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. I think I see what you're saying. And so uh, I just ignored it and became a better (laughs) preacher. Because uh, you don't you don't make the big bucks by becoming a better person. No, right? nobody wants to nobody wants to pay a good person, but they will pay you tons of cash to do the preaching well. Mm. No, so I, I so it bothered me. I felt a lot of guilt and shame about it. Mm. Uh, and my seminary experience was kind of I've, I've mentioned this before, maybe on the podcast, even that it was a, kind of a desert experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was my own doing. Um, but one of the realizations I made in seminary was that I. There were there were I had lots of good professors that mm-hmm. I that I did want to be like and I took a lot of classes from them, mm-hmm. uh, but then I, I noticed like I just, some of my professors I don't want to be like them, mm-hmm. you know they're so much more smart than they are kind yeah yeah <laughs> or like good or right well right. yeah good from a virtuous way not right. from like a moralistic kind of good yeah. boy way you yeah. know I mean it wasn't like they slammed doors in the faces of handicapped people. You know what I mean? Like they weren't doing things sure. that were, that were, uh, you know, wantonly wicked. It was just, it was just there was a, uh, I guess it was it was less of a kairos for them. Like oh you you awful, you awful Pharisees. I'm 
mm-hmm. I'm the holy, whatever. It was more of like Kairos for me. Like I, I don't know if I can become a better person primarily through my cognition, and by and like by working on preaching better. Mm. And what do you, parenthetically, what do you mean by Kairos? I don't know if everybody oh. everybody listening may not be familiar with. Yeah, that. it's just a. I mean, it's a Greek word that means time, and it means opportunity or occasion. So like uh, when Jesus. Uh, when Mark says that the, uh, that Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news by saying the time has come, yeah, he me- he meant like here comes your Kairos people, <laughs> get ready, like right. this is your opportunity to repent and believe, yeah. and to lay hold of the, my kingdom, mm-hmm. right? So when we use the word Kairos at Gravity to describe an opportunity or a doorway into the kingdom of God, it often it often strikes us as conviction, yeah, or confusion. Yeah. Sometimes it strikes us as conflict yeah. or clarity. Right. right. It can be positive or negative. Right. So in this instance, it was just this realization of like, man, I'm I don't know if I want to be sixty years old and be a much better preacher than I am person. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be a much better person than I am a preacher. Yeah. So something has to change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, and so this axiom speaks to that reality that what the, the things that God does through us, like preaching, yep. right, uh, need to be connected to the things that God is doing in us. Yes. For it to be truly uh, transformational and powerful ministry. Even authentic, right? Even, right. Even something that doesn't, doesn't just live in abstractions or ideals, but something mm-hmm. that's grounded and rooted in a very granular, real place. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... Um, I remember, uh, you know, uh, when I I planted my first church, and even before that, I was a worship leader, you know, at a kind of a mid-sized church. And I used to get frustrated as a leader, um, you know, because these people weren't doing, you know, X, Y, or Z. They weren't, they weren't sort of learning. I was, you know, especially my my first church plant, I was... Tell uh, me about it, Ben. I was being uh, convicted by all of these new things I was learning, right? I was reading about uh, missional theology. I was reading about how the church uh, is, is, lives to be on mission. Yep. um, And um, what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, all these things. And I was learning tons of stuff and it was good stuff. Uh, But I was frustrated that... um, the people that I was leading, you know, in this church, I was frustrated that they weren't more excited about it. I was frustrated that they weren't sort of doing it more. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I remember... Did you somebody, tell them to do it? I did, over and over, <laughs> every Sunday. I said, guys, come on. I mean, Go live on mission. I, I think my... Yeah, my, that what characterized my sermons for a lot of Sundays was like, come on, guys. Go live on mission. You have permission. God says it's good. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Let's do this, right? And I, I gave him great ideas, you know, like, here, you could do this, or you could do this. Mm. Um, and I remember somebody saying to me, um, or, or I can't remember even how it, how it happened, but I had the Kairos. No. Oh. I had a realization. Good thing we know that, what that is now. It is good. Um, but I had this realization that um, they need someone to show them what to do. And... And I, you know, I thought, well, okay, I get that, right? You, we learn through imitation. They need someone to show them what to do. But I had this realization that <laughs> what I knew how to do was not live on mission. What I knew how to do was prepare sermons. What I knew how to do was uh, lead worship, you know, prepare songs and lead songs. I could play the guitar and sing. Mm-hmm. What I knew how to do was uh, plan programs and run church services. Groom your beard. I actually didn't know how to do that. I'm st- I'm learning right now how to do it. I've got this pair of scissors that I, I yeah. try to 
I try to shape it. Be gentle. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm, tr- I'm working on it. Um, but I feel like my beard is unruly as far as beards go. It's been more unruly. It's been unrulier. Yeah, that's true. I used to grow it out just kind of wantonly. Uh, but now, <laughs> but now, I've seen the light. I had a Kairos, and I started trimming it. <laughs> no, <clears throat> but you know what I mean. Like yes, I realized I the thing I knew how to do was not actually be a disciple and live on mission. The thing I knew how to do was uh, try to lead people to live on mission. Tell other I was people like, to do it. Right. I was I was one step removed from the thing I was actually wanting us all to do together. Yes. yes. And I thought it would happen if I told them to do it, and then they did it, and then I could be like, okay, we're doing it. Yes. So one of the issues of kind of the modern discipleship is that we we tend to major in ideas and actions. Mm. We tend to major in telling people what to do and then telling people what to do. <laughs> right? And and right. uh giving people ideas about what to do and then telling them Here's to do an idea, it. go yeah, do yeah. it. Here's an idea, go do it. And uh what we notice in the New Testament with Jesus and with Paul is that people need enfleshed, embodied examples. You've got 10,000 radio preachers, Paul says, but you mm-hmm. don't have many fathers. Mm-hmm. And I became your father, and now Timothy's your father. Watch him, imitate him, imitate me, right? Yes. This, yes. Which uh, I think in, our, in, our, in some of our pietistic sort of interpretations, like we think the holy thing to say is, oh, no, no, don't imitate me. Don't, don't, don't follow me. Imitate Christ, because I'm not, I, I can't ever be God. I can't ever be mm-hmm. Christ, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just a worthless sinner. I'm a worm, but I'm saved by grace. <laughs> right. Uh, but that, uh, friends, um, that's not biblical enough. No. I mean, you can get there in the Bible if you want, but it's not biblical enough in the sense that the people who are building the church and leading out that Jesus trained had the audacity, the humble, mm-hmm. fear and trembling audacity to say, yeah. you need an example of what this lives like. Yeah. And since God is doing this in me, uh, you can watch how he does that, and then as you watch and learn... God will do it through me in you. Yeah, yeah, and and I I used to I used to I used to have trouble with that as well. It didn't feel humble to me to say imitate me, um, but I realized what I was thinking that they were imitating is my perfect moral performance. Yeah, you got to be on all the time. Right, I have to be. I I can't make mistakes. I can't sin. Otherwise, you're going to imitate my sin. But what I what I started realizing was no, they're not imitating my sin. They're imitating how I deal with my sin, how I respond to my sin. And so my confession to them, my repentance to them, last episode you talked about your, you know, talking with your son, yeah, right? I apologize to my kids all the time now uh, because I realize that's part of my leadership to them. How are they going to learn how to apologize? Right. How are they, they going to learn how to trust grace unless right. they see their dad trusting right. grace? When, when obviously dad has sinned, <laughs> right? And everybody in the family knows it, well, how, what does dad do? Yep. That that's my leadership. My leadership is here's what you do when you blew it. Here's yeah. what here's what you do. Yeah. Right. So our, your confession and repentance are part of your leadership. That's part of imit. That's part of the example you set. Yes. Right. As and, a leader. And and that's letting God do something in you. Right. So right. So this so this axiom gets at the that repentance is actually good news, not mm-hmm. just for the unbeliever and the pagan, uh, and the the moral failure. Uh, but also for the leader, that our yes. authority rests on our capacity to participate with the grace we're being given. Mm-hmm. And the doorway into that is always repentance. Yes, It's always yes. a turning from what we think, what we know, what we want, mm-hmm. and, and agreeing with God or 
laying our hearts and minds on what God says, what God wants, what God thinks, and then being transparent about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, repentance isn't easy. Repentant ain't easy. What was the name of my first rap album? (laughs) (laughs) Ironically, that was also the name of my first country album. Yeah, there we go. go. Repentant ain't easy. We should remix those. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, so there's a uh, a reissue I meant. There's a a tangible quality to a community where repentance is a good idea and honored. Right. And that tangible quality of that community is different than repentance is the last thing I want to do as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so I will defend, deflect, justify, yeah. rationalize, yeah. marginalize, consolidate, scapegoat, blame, and eliminate any provocation that I may need to repent. Right. I mean, any sign of weakness, anything like that. Yeah, right? we're seeing this now in, in um, some prominent... Like, so there's this movement called Church Two, where people have experienced abuse mm-hmm. and yeah. um, all kinds of awful things in churches. And there's a tangible quality to churches that own and take responsibility for those things, versus churches that deflect and spin and deny, yes. and actually end up blaming victims uh, for f- <laughs> for what they've done. Right? And and yeah. there's a lot of energy. I'm I'm always two seconds away from a rant, so just cut me off if you need to. But like, there's a lot of energy. <laughs> To, to, like that from leaders in the church to say, uh, we have to protect our reputation. Uh, yes. Like as a leader, I've got to protect my reputation, which means I don't do these 44 things with women, right, ever. And it means that I, I can't give, the worst thing I could do is give the impression of impropriety to people who are onlooking. Mm-hmm. Friends, Paul repeatedly says in Scripture over and over and over what an honor it is for his reputation to be besmirched by people outside, mm-hmm. by people looking on him, calling him a, uh, a licentious, right. uh, lawless uh, uh, sinner, right. or, or, or someone who, who says that, you know, Jesus, he eats and drinks with sinners. All they do is have their reputation dragged through the mud because of their scandalous love and grace for people on the margins, yeah, uh, and they and they count it pure joy. Like yeah. they actually like they they consider it an honor, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so oh, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. I'm ranting about this, but like there's a sense in which if we create a community where the leaders are the first to repent, the first to own their own badness and ask for forgiveness, or ask for um, kindness, compassion, uh, then we, we disabuse ourselves of needing to protect and defend an image that often is abusive and oppressive anyway. Yeah. We dismantle the systems of oppression where not because of one human volition, like why not because a leader says, I'm going to build a church where people get hurt. No, that, that <laughs> you know, nobody does that, right? right. But people right. get hurt in systems where repentance isn't a good idea, where you're not safe to own your badness because mm-hmm. your badness is le- used as leverage to eliminate you from the community. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, if we created a community like that, we might, you know, we might have church. <laughs> Who wants that? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it, it, we, we as leaders uh, need to participate in the transformation that's happening in the community. And like you said, uh, leaders who repent first, um, leaders who lead by repentance, right, is a, is a different kind of a thing than leading through 
guarding my reputation or trying to present a front, right? We, we fear that we're losing power if we admit a mistake, if we repent of yeah, sin. Yeah, if there's failures or flaws or weaknesses, right. there's a we, chink in the armor, right. if the image is a little off. Right. We, we fear that we're losing power, um, but that is like, that, that's set up into this system where leaders have to be experts, Perform. leaders have to be better than others, leaders have to be... Um, yeah, they have to perform better and, and, you know, kind of live on this other plane. Yes. But I, I think it's actually, it could be the opposite. I, I've oftentimes said, like, um, the leader, the, because the leader is the most transformed person in any community, the leader is the most transformed person. Any community that actually goes through transformation, the leader or leaders of that community are always the most transformed out of anybody. Um, so it strikes me that that Christian leadership might be God's remedial program for people who can't figure out how to be Christians the normal way, <laughs> right? He's like he like looks at he looks at us and he's like, oh geez, these guys need a lot of help. Yeah. I'm going to make them leaders, plumbers, stay at home dads. <laughs> They've got it. They, uh, business women. They're fine. They don't have to get paid to be a Christian. <laughs> no. in order to be a Christian. No, these guys. There's no way they're there's no way they're getting sanctified unless I make them leaders. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so don't hear what we're not saying. Um, there. There is there is a transformation that rests in the heart of a leader that authenticates and sort of uh, seals their authority in a community. So their authority their authority rests on their ability to submit and receive and participate in the spirit of God. Yes, it's a charismatic thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this this doesn't mean that they are the most uh, broken. It just means no. that they are they are setting the pattern for how to receive and respond to grace. Yeah. And they're doing it in a way that gives vision and hope and direction and truth to other people who need to learn how to receive and respond to grace. Yeah. Right? So it's, there's a trajectory of transformation in that person's life. Right. Right? Yes. It's not that they're living with 16 uh, different people and they, right. and they got these offshore accounts to hide their Ponzi schemes. Right. You know what I mean? And it's not it's not that. And they're just talking about it every day from the right. pulpit. And everybody's feeling like, bad about it. Oh, he's such a good leader. He's got so much junk <laughs> in his so life. Bad. He's so bad. He's so bad. Why do you go to the table? Because our leaders are bad. Right. No, that's not what yeah. we're saying. No. No, it's not what we're saying. So it, it's less about moral performance or lack of moral performance, and it's more about a posture. Come on, church! It's more about a posture. Say say more about that. What do you mean? Well, what you're describing when you talk about our our trajectory of transformation, um, there's a posture that we that we have to inhabit um, that that the Lord leads us into. There's a posture towards God and towards ourselves. Uh, that means, and this this gets into our previous axioms, right? There's a posture toward God, trusting that God's good, so that I can live in reality. I can own what's real about me. I can talk about it. I can I can say it, and I can I can trust grace in my life, and the grace that comes through repentance. I can trust that that I'm my power and my authority are not being diminished when I do that. Yes, but that actually is what they consist of. This posture that I live in is my authority. It is my power. And God does desire to share his power with us. Yeah. It's just that his power, like we said last time, is canonic, Greek word that means self-emptying, yes. and cruciform, which means it goes to the cross. It doesn't mind dying. So um, Henry Nouwen, or if you prefer, Henri, <laughs> he wrote this book called The Wounded Healer, 
that mm. describes what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't read that book, uh, this is p- part of this axiom comes from that reality of being the most healed, uh, or mm. someone who someone yeah. who has received. So, like, and Paul talks about this, right? He says, "God, just deliver me from this thorn in the flesh. Mm. Just deliver me." And 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 the Spirit of Christ says, "You know what? Um, you need to learn how my power is made perfect in weakness." Mm-hmm. Right, and who knows how long Paul dealt with that thorn in the flesh? Right, but he doesn't reveal it in every letter. But he reveals it to the Corinthians, and he shares with them, "Hey, th- this is something I've struggled with or dealt with." Right, and and, and expositors uh, or or commentators have varying um, interpretations of what the thorn is. Right, but uh, we know at least it's a weakness, because mm-hmm. that's what the Spirit of Christ says. Yeah, and so. It's a crucible for learning how to trust the Lord. So our weaknesses then, our failures, our flaws, are the meeting places yeah. with God. Right. Rather than the thing I've got to fix or hide. So I can meet with God. So I can meet with God. Right. Right? Yep. And and then that's precisely what the people need that we're leading. They need someone mm. who can fiercely face the reality about themselves with the Spirit of Christ and process and walk through it. And then call other people into that great train of redemption. Yes. Right? Alongside them. Rather than a crossing guard who says, you know, God wants to heal that addiction. It's over there. Right. (laughs) Right? So just keep walking, dodge the traffic, and you'll make it. You know what I mean? Like, that's not it. It's like, walk with me. Walk with me through this. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and even Christ... Even Christ, we're told in the book of Hebrews, learns obedience through what he suffers. So uh, even Christ, in this not not playing the God card, uh, obedience wasn't something that he had downloaded onto his hard drive from day one. Right. But he it was a there was a training in obedience, mm-hmm. and it came through hardships, trials, things that might besmirch the name of the Son of God. Right, yeah, that he, and did that he comes yeah. from a family uh, with dubious background. Right. That he's from Nazareth. What good can come from there? Right, right. That mm-hmm. he eats and drinks with sinners. Right, right. That he doesn't have training in the synagogue. All these things that could besmirch his reputation, like brings great suffering to him. Great yeah. ostracization. How many syllables is that word? I don't know. He got ostracized. He Let's did say that. He yeah. did, yeah. and it and it uh, and there was a, a a suffering there, and also uh, uh, obviously on the cross. What God wants to do through you, mm-hmm. He will do in you. He He's yes. care. He cares about your character, and your and your competency will flow from that, friends. Mm-hmm. He's He's not looking to use you for what you can do for Him, mm-hmm. right? But rather, he's looking for people he can trust to empower with his spirit. Yes. Because Jesus, in his life, it's clear he's not looking to to build something outside of developing people who can bear his responsibility yeah. and authority in the world. Yeah. Right. So that's his whole that's his whole plan. Salvation isn't a project that he recruits people like he uses people to accomplish. Salvation is. Particip- it's it's humans participating in the life of God. Yeah. That is salvation. Yeah. And so if we're going to lead people in it, like we learn how to do it. 
right? We learn how to do it as we lead people in it. Yeah. If that's what salvation is. We could say tons about this, but And then, you know, you're going to reproduce who you are. So, yeah. if I'm if I continue to be and I mentioned this last time in the podcast, if I continue to respond in anger to my son's lack of contentment, um, I will train my kids to to respond in anger. Right. To things that trigger them. Right. Right? So so there's a sense in which I can teach them, I can preach tons of good sermons, I can I can make them watch every VeggieTales video there is mm-hmm. about uh, kindness right. and compassion, right. but if they learn from me, my model, that anger is the appropriate response when reality doesn't go your way, right? That, that I've fathered them into how to trust their anger, right. how to trust that response. So, so there's a sense in which if I'm going to reproduce kids, mm-hmm. I've got to deal with my own anger. Right. If I'm going to be kids who, who have an appropriate relationship to their anger, mm-hmm. like, I got to deal with my junk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is why our training uh, doesn't focus on uh, getting other people to do things, but it always focuses uh, directly on our own hearts as leaders. We have, we have to deal with those things. Speaking of getting people to do things, if yeah. you like this podcast, would you <laughs> rate and review us on iTunes? Right. It's just a request. Yeah. We're not going to coerce you to do that. No. Uh, it, it helps other people find this. Also, mm-hmm. uh, you can uh, download free resources from our website. So mm-hmm. uh, feel free to go there. And uh, I think this—I think we said everything we can say. I think, well, that's, tw- not, in, that's not true. In 20 minutes. Well, it's 28 minutes. In 28 point, yeah. minutes. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. we probably should end it here. We probably should. Yep. So, uh, friends, uh, you know what? Can I give a benediction? Yeah, that's, may, that's great. May you go, friends, knowing that God is doing a work in you. Wholly disproportionate to who you are in your natural ability that will birth fruit and faithfulness through you. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question, suggest a topic for future episodes. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful throughout the week. To join us, Go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.